Let's just take a moment to remind you that you are not responsible to be anyone's savior, right? And I think a common theme that shows up in abuse survivors is denial and trying to rationalize their partner's behavior through understanding their psychology as in, oh, well, I can change this person if they're just loved correctly and convinced, truly convincing ourselves that we can love a person's trauma away. But that is not our responsibility. That is not our job. And personally, I used to kind of say that, oh, well, if my ex didn't grow up in X, Y, and Z environment, then he'd have the potential to be a really great guy. Well, let's admitted to ourselves, guess what? He's not. We have to accept people for who they are and not for who they could be. Happy hump day. Probably will release this TBH on a Thursday because I'm trying to record every other day to make like a set schedule for when I release. Um, And as many of you know, due to my last episode, I will not be recording as much over the next two months because I'm starting a full-time job. So your girl hasn't been working the last couple of weeks and I've had a lot of time on my hands to self-explore and dive into all of these, you know, personal passion projects. But I hope that you'll bear with me as I am aiming to release one episode a week as of next week. So in lieu of Mental Health Awareness Month today, I wanted to talk about cluster B personality disorders, um, abuse recovery and the narcissistic abuse survivor's guide to recovering. So this is something that is super close to my heart, very personal, and I am super passionate about, and I can speak from personal experience as well as from a clinical educational standpoint. But before I get into today's episode, I want to thank you all so much for your love and support and well wishes. I've had someone yesterday message me after my release of my last episode touching on the Nuvering. Now, as many of you know, which I've talked about several times, I'm super nervous and anxious now because I'm doing a Bador photo shoot uh, the end of this month. And I've been on keto for a little bit and I lost close to 20 pounds. But when I started the Nuvering a couple weeks ago, it drastically increased my appetite. Like I cannot stop eating. I don't want to blame it all on the Nuvering, but I've definitely, we know that hormones play a role. Um, Ghrelin and leptin are hormones that control our hunger and our fullness. And I think that birth control can definitely impact these. So I have felt a large increase in my appetite and just headaches and breaking out. So I feel like with that and the pressure that I put on myself for this photo shoot, I'm a little bit more nervous than I was. And of course, the second I start recording, the landscapers have now arrived and are mowing my lawn. So I will try to move before we jump into today's episode. And I hope that you enjoy. Of this month, I want to talk about narcissism, sociopathy, cluster B personality disorders. And I know that the term narcissism is, it could not be more overused. And it's funny because the millennial and generation after us are the most narcissistic 
narcissistic of any generation ever in history. Um, there was a study done. I can't exactly name or pinpoint the specific study, but um, I've been reading and listening to a lot of Peggy Orenstein's work on feminism and gender roles and equality and the gender gap in sexuality, and I would highly suggest it. I'm looking her up. She's probably one of my new favorite authors. But anyway, there was a study done amongst college students, and it found that people born, I think, 1990 and after have the highest traits of narcissism. Uh, they call us Generation We because it's all about us, 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 um, showing ourselves off, marketing ourselves. And they said, there was a quote that said, when connection is so readily available, we are so much more likely to take it for granted. And I could not agree more. So I don't want to use the term narcissism lightly because narcissism, as with any personality characteristic, is it exists on a spectrum, right? And to have full-blown narcissistic personality disorder, which is a pervasive chronic disorder, I just want to educate on it. Um, and being a psychopath, narcissistic survivor, um, which was probably the most traumatic experience I have ever gone through in my entire life. So we have to be educated on this topic, right? A lot of people are misinformed. Um, narcissistic abuse is not in the DSM, but it is something that a lot of people experience, pathological narcissistic abuse. So we need to educate in order to help us integrate the experience into a framework in which we can understand. So how do you know if you are a cluster B, which narcissism falls under a personality disorder survivor? Well, it's kind of like diagnosing yourself as an empath, not that empath empathy is a, you know, a disorder or anything like that. But I want to make people understand that there's a healing process that needs to go on. And education is a helpful first step um, regarding cluster B personality disorder. It's crucial to the overall process of recovery. I found myself kind of obsessively and impulsively seeking out, like, is my partner a narcissist? And there's really no way to know unless that person went to a clinician, which they hardly ever do because they don't want the help and they're convinced that everyone else is the problem, not them. But recovery after abuse requires so much um, commitment and patience because a person can still suffer with emotional pain even after learning the, fa the facts of um, psychopathy and NPD. Growth and healing comes from going deeper and it can take years and years and years, perhaps even a lifetime I'm learning. And this requires the assistance for, I'd say, 99.9% .9 of people of a skilled mental health provider. Um, get all the help you need to help you facilitate your, your recovery, whether that's a psychologist, a psychiatrist, support groups. Um, because if one engages in treatment with a professional, it is imperative that you have a strong background. Their practitioner has knowledge in this area because the rules of a normal relationship do not apply. Blaming the survivor for winding up in this situation would not be an appropriate approach for someone who might have been traumatized. However, unfortunately, there is a decent amount of professionals who will ask their clients to look at their role in the abuse and even suggest couples therapy, which when dealing with someone that is manipulative or antisocial could be even do more harm than good. So I want you to focus not on the abuser, and we'll get into exactly what constitutes abuse in a minute, but focus on yourself. 
because it involves calming the dysregulated emotional state of the brain because abuse does alter the physiology of the brain in order to address any psychological disorders that might have developed as a result, like depression or anxiety. I know for me, PTSD, eating disorder, self-harm. This requires hard work. And for some, this will demand that you look at your own personality dynamics that might you know, make you appealing to selfish, dominant, callous partners. This is not the same as guilting or blaming yourself because no one is responsible for someone else's behavior, period. But it is about introspective and accountability. Narcissists and psychopaths, a true ASPD or NPD, they dupe their mates into a relationship by presenting a false representation of themselves. And by doing so, their partner naturally forms a bond, think trauma bonding with them. They gaslight you. It's this intense honeymoon period, psychological manipulation and mind games that follow the causes that cause deep emotional wounds. And it is so confusing, perplexing, and shocking to consider that the personality of the man or woman that you fall in love with was a fraud, replaced by someone focused solely on getting their own needs satisfied. The way that they get those needs met will often hurt their partners intentionally or unintentionally. So a recovery process is so necessary and involves much more than just psychoeducation, although Awareness is just the foundation that you know what happened, that you're not crazy. And you can get information generically like websites or YouTube, but recovery and healing is the what can I do about how I feel and how I'm functioning stage. For many, this will require the skill of an expert to work with one-on-one, whether that's an MPD recovery coach or a licensed psychotherapist. And once you are within the recovery stage and moving forward, Be sure to appreciate things about yourself that you may have taken for granted in the past because when you come out of a relationship with a narcissist, a sociopath, a psychopath, someone with BPD, you are not the same. You are forever changed, at least speaking from personal experience. For example, have gratitude that you have the ability to love and bond and feel happiness without tearing others down like your ex-partner. By the way, if you are still in this relationship, it is going to be nearly impossible to heal. You can start taking the first steps, but you will never heal with the person with whom you were wounded. And you know better. You do better when you know better, right? It's so easy for me to look back and regret it or say, oh, I wish I would have just taken action. Like, it was so clear. His actions were so clear to me, but, you know you do better when you know better, right? And when you know better, you do better. So take it easy on yourself. Have some self-compassion. You know, these are complex emotional processes that some people might never have to go through. And when we go through these experiences, although they might be unpleasant, we completely transform, right? And once you feel satisfied that you have a basic understanding of your abuser's personality style, that caused you harm, it's really important to shift your focus to yourself. Please do not focus on the abuser. You're never going to change them. They're never going to apologize. You're never going to get closure. They just don't care. And that's that. We have, that's probably for me, the hardest thing that I've ever had to come to terms with. This person never loved me. They've moved on. And by allowing them to continue to hurt me, it's like I'm staying their victim. And this person took enough years of my life as it is. It is possible 
to become quite stuck to learn about cluster B personality disorders, right? The best gift you can give yourself is to let that go and grow and heal from the experience, right? So more than anything, I encourage growth. And through growth naturally comes the ability to move forward with a new focus, no longer the psychopath or the narcissist, but about yourself and how you can bring yourself more love and bring more to those that love you. And for me, the hardest part about being in a relationship with someone like this is the healthy relationship that comes after. Not knowing what a healthy relationship is, not knowing how to receive love, not knowing how to be emotionally available and present because I'm so stuck on the path, on the past with this person. And I'd invite you to check out narcissistic abuse recovery communities like social media groups, website boards, blogs, videos. Um, It's a lot of lingo and it's a lot of information that you'll need to learn to understand the discussion. But like I mentioned in the past, please, moments ago, which I mean by the past, do not get stuck on the person, the diagnosis, the behavioral traits of the cluster B personality disorder person. Because as someone that is a non-narcissist, which you're probably an HSP or empath, you tend to have experienced attachment trauma earlier on in life. And specifically, if this attachment bond to a parent or caregiver was unsuccessful and even traumatic, these experiences of a failed relationship become the, they set the the stage, they become the basis for your adult expectations of relationship dynamics. So in the narcissistic abuse community, we call them a narc, which stands for narcissist. Um, And I, as someone that is, I would not say I'm a narcissist. I've known quite a few clinical narcissists. Um, They're very different, right? Cluster B personality disorders. Let's break this down, right? This comes from my own independent and real life repeated long time experience with and study of people whose behaviors show traits of one or more of these personality disorders. And I've also learned about many of the traits themselves, whether it be in myself through observed behavior and significant others, information online, and just in the lens of my own heart and mind. So I'm just going to be giving you my own kind of non-professional understanding of dysfunctional patterns of observed behavior. And I will admit, I've been diagnosed with every, almost every disorder under the sun, right? I've never been diagnosed with histrionic personality disorder, antisocial personality disorder, narcissism, psychopathy. But I have been, I think by two professionals, been diagnosed with BPD, borderline personality disorder. And although I do not agree with this diagnosis, I will admit, I'll be the first to admit, I could be hella fucking manipulative. I could be one of the most manipulative people that I know. But the reason I do not agree with the diagnosis is because I feel like that was generalized because of my history of self-harm. And not everyone that self-harms has borderline personality disorder. Although it is a hallmark of the disorder, of the diagnosis, it's just one of many. And typically in order to be diagnosed with a disorder, you need to have, it's generally like three to five of the traits in the DSM, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Health Disorders. So moving along, cluster B is one of four clusters of personality disorders. This is the so-called dramatic cluster and includes NPD, 
narcissism, borderline BPD, antisocial, ASPD, and histrionic HPD. So, uh, cluster B survivors, they all have experience being close to partners and or close family members who behavior frequently displays traits of these disorders. Um, and I find that this is generally because we grew up with a parent that had one of these disorders. Maybe they weren't a full-blown narcissist. Maybe there was codependency going on. Maybe there was mental illness, substance abuse. And the core traits include the following. So a narcissist, very self-elevating, condescending, raging, lying, and borderlines, emotionally dysregulated, helpless, accusatory, in socio or psychopath, sadistic, manipulative, stoic, destructive, and in histrionic, sexualized, improperly seductive, and overly dramatic. So think of societal examples, which no one can prove that these celebrities have these disorders, but when you think of them as a whole, histrionic, think Kim Kardashian, um, narcissism or sociopathy, think Donald Trump. Like Those are just examples if you need a better, tangible logistic way of understanding this. So according to my research and experience, some other dysfunctional and toxic behaviors tend to be common to all cluster B personality disorders like lack of empathy, blame shifting, hot and cold, pushing, pulling, idolizing, devaluing relational styles, hostile dependency, delusional thinking, cheating, infidelity. And it sometimes seems as if these four personality disorders might really be four different aspects or emphases of the singular umbrella pathology. Cluster Bs also seem to have an extreme unwillingness to change, to examine their own dysfunctional behaviors, see situations from another person's perspective, or take responsibility for their actions. This unwillingness borders on psychological inability. And this is why I don't agree with the term that I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder because I've always been the first person to initiate therapy, getting help, seeking and understanding myself and challenging my own perspective. Yeah, I could be manipulative, but I think this is a reactive, um, like a reactive personality trait I've developed through complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And I generally for the most part, really want to take accountability and responsibility for my behaviors and analyze and examine them in order to change. So if you're close to someone with a cluster B personality disorder, which are often extremely hard to diagnose because as I mentioned, these people are not in therapy willingly. They're often forced or they are given a, um, what's that word? given like, if you don't go to therapy, I'm going to break up with you type of things. And to those closest to them, cluster Bs often seem especially, um, essentially like physical and maybe mental adults who have the emotional maturity of a young person, uh, this arrested emotional development, uh, development. Apparently disorders, not only their emotional experience, but also their ability to reason and think rationally, especially when under stress. And some cluster Bs are higher functioning and can easily pass as normal in public. Think for, um, I think Kanye West, right? (laughs) Perfect example, prime example. But 
like lower functioning cluster Bs, are still often abusive to the people closest to them in private. This is huge. They're like the proverbial wolves in sheep's clothing, luring in targets with their promise of love and companionship, but sooner or later, letting their masks slip to show their true intentions as predators, seeking a meal, which will be you if they target you, unless you have healthy personal boundaries and self-respect already in place. Someone with personality disorder cannot take advantage of someone that has healthy personal boundaries because they'll know that you're not letting, you're not, you know, adhering to their shit and they won't want anything to do with you. And this was probably one of the most harming aspects of my relationship with someone with NPD was that everyone was like, oh my God, he's like the nicest guy I've ever met. You're so lucky to date him. I wish I could find a guy like him. And I just wanted to vomit in my mouth because little did they know behind closed doors, he was a completely different person. So if you don't have these, a cluster B can easily suck you with lavish praise, flat flattery, future promises of wonderfulness, inappropriate gifts or favors, and high sexual energy if you do not have self-respect or true self-love. And by the time that you see them for what they are, you're often already entangled with them, whether it be financially, biologically, domestically. It's really hard to break out of this. They could pretend and often very well, but only for so long. And there are always red flags earlier on, right? before that they entangle you. You can recognize and act on them if you're aware of them. You don't talk yourself out of it. You trust your intuition and you know exactly what they will likely mean in the future. It's sometimes difficult to describe a toxic personality as having only one of these. So some of us lay people in this community simply refer to them as cluster bees. You know, some survivors or quote unquote veterans use the term narcopath in a similar fashion. Many disordered people display behaviors from two or more cluster B personality disorders, although their behaviors tend to center on one or two. So it could easy, like easily someone with borderline could be acting like a psychopath. This isn't surprising. This does not mean that they have full-blown, you know, personality disorder, but like I said, it could exist on the spectrum. The term cluster B, it can be liberating and appropriate for codependents and other non-narcissists or empaths who are recovering from this particular type of abuse. It can relieve the layperson's potential or actual obsession with nailing down a diagnosis for one's disordered ex or relative or coworker in order to settle your own mind on the subject. But it also describes a rather broad characteristic set of behaviors more correctly, if not more precisely, than by simply calling every cluster be a narc or narcopath, what have it. So in the absence of knowing someone's diagnosis of a specific cluster B disorder, it may be wise to err on the side of caution to aim at the right target instead of hitting the wrong bullseye. Like I said, it could be so easy to get swept away in this and just spend all of your mental energy and brain capacity on, oh my God, my partner has BPD, MPD, SPD. Um, don't, don't make that your focus because in the grand scheme of things, it does not matter if they have this personality disorder, quote unquote. What matters is that you need to recover and focus on you. So whether you grew up in a family with one or more personality disordered parents, or you've been in a dysfunctional relationship, 
or you are or have been in a pathological love relationship, the abuse suffered, I just want to take this time to validate you, is probably one of the most devastating relational dynamics that requires a unique type of multifaceted and complex layers of recovery, right? We have to do spiritual work. We have to do sexual work. We have to do energetic work. We have to do mental and emotional work and counseling. And so many of us who need this recovery from the personality disorder to the psychopath have grown up, like I said, with at least one parent or has been exposed to some sort of attachment or bonding trauma and abuse by someone early on in childhood. And more than often than not, this is why we will kind of develop these codependent or people-pleasing or even manipulative patterns ourselves because we've been born into an intergenerational toxic pathological family system that wounds us or fails to meet our developmental needs. And on top of that, teaches us how to take on the blame and the shame and the feelings of our parents and their parents or family members in a lot of cases you know, that whether one goes on to be diagnosed with a mental illness or not, you still will acquire a lot of damage that will likely hurt you until you become more aware of the roots of what has been wounding you and how you likely let those close to you and in relationships re-abuse and further traumatize you. But I just want to say that healing and recovery are truly possible. I know you're probably rolling your eyes. Not for me. Um, But understanding is the first step in your abuse recovery journey. And there is an exponentially increasing number of people with personality disorders in our world today. It's kind of praised, right? Dominating people, control, microaggression, like hostility. We see our leaders in our country, if you live in America, exemplifying, perhaps even praising these behaviors. So many of us are raised with these varying toxic, dysfunctional family systems, right? Um, And many people have these people as parents or grandparents or friends or past partners. It's so vital that you become aware of what you're dealing with and do the necessary work to protect yourself or your children involved and learn how to take care of yourself. Awareness is the juncture at which there is not more denying your pain and what you truly do know. It is the juncture at which, unfortunately, your pain will increase at first until you learn more about what all your experience means and how you begin to unravel the trauma and abuse and find yourself or refine yourself, right? So it is a much clearer picture people have to grapple with to put the puzzle pieces together, whether you've been in a relationship or raised by one of these people. And as you become or still are seeking to become much clearer, firstly, what you know diagnosis you or your abuser suffers, you will also begin to benefit from or continue being able to gl- gain clarity as to just how traumatized you have been by the abuse you suffered and why. When I talk to people um, coming to this awareness, it is at the point of coming to this awareness that what is already very painful and confusing becomes even more apparent and painful for a time. And that's so much why it's important to work with someone, get support, um, find a support system, find someone who is an expert in this area of kind of the worst type of people that you've been exposed with in order to help and recover. 
Um, so I just wanted to put that out there. You don't need to go spending thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, just as long as you're in weekly therapy, perhaps trying EMDR, um, getting healing sessions and just no contact with your abuser. Those are the first crucial steps. I've had to learn to let go of ever expecting or wanting an apology from this person. I've really had to cut cords of attachment with him coming, like having a come to Jesus moment and saying, oh my gosh, I really hurt Lauren. Like, let me take responsibility and apologize to her. And I've had to release the idea that if this person did apologize to me, it would heal my wound. Like this person that hurt you is not capable of healing the wound and the pain that they inflicted on you. Um, and in my next episode, perhaps coming up, I'll talk about post-traumatic stress disorder and CPTSD, which often results as exposure to cluster B personality disorder abuse and the healing modalities and, um, things we can do of that nature to, heal and come back to balance and ground ourselves and relearn who we are because this person that, uh, you know, violated you most likely stripped you of your identity and you're going to have to relearn who you are. That's just the truth and nuts and bolts of it. It's not easy. It is worth it. Um, and I promise you that you are capable of doing it. I've been on this journey for like five, six years now. I met my ex in 2015 and it has been a whirlwind of emotions. I have some good days. I have some horrible days. Um, it's all a learning journey. And I trust that whatever is over that metaphorical mountain and I will come back better out on the other side, right? We are stronger in the places where we have most been wounded. I just want to remind you of that. Like I said, it's not easy, but I trust it's worth it. And just release it to the universe and trust that you will be better. And let's work to not be bitter. Let's work to be better because it could be really easy to turn into the victim after an experience like this and just say, I'm powerless and I'm helpless. and My life is hopeless. Mm -mm, Nope. Take, put yourself back in the driver's seat. This person no longer owns you. They never owned you. You have the power and partnership is all, it's not about ownership, right? Partnership is not ownership. I just want to remind you because it could be super easy to get out of a relationship with a narcissist and into another relationship with a sociopath, right? We have to break the cycle. We have to end the dynamic and we have to take our power back.